All right. Before Andrew comes up, I wanted to share a piece that the Lord gave me a few years ago. It's a spoken word, and it's around gathering. A spoken word is a rhythmic poem, and this one has to do with being hosted at a table. Come to the table. Come have a seat. There is one just for you, one that will allow you to be and to eat. Come to the table. Come gather and see. There is no one that looks, acts, or thinks like you or like me. Come to the table. Come and be. Meet a new person and see how they see. Come to the table. Come gather near. The time is not limited. So linger longer and hear. Come to the table. Come meet the host. He has a purpose for you. So listen close. Come to the table. Invite others to come. Jesus has some things for us to learn. It's a lesson about how we're all created to be one. Come to the table. Come have a seat. You are invited. You are wanted. You are welcomed. So come and be. Thank you, Allie. We don't do a lot of gathering around the table uh, the way we used to as a society. And my sense is that we do long for the kinds of things that happen when people gather around the table, for that kind of relationship, for those kinds of um, um, interactions. Um, and then at the same time, uh, we aren't as good at doing it. We aren't as good at making it happen. We aren't as good at prioritizing it. As Ali alluded to in her announcements, um, we are wanting to be people who are gathering to go with the presence of Jesus. Gathering to go with the presence of Jesus. We, we talked about the, the aspect of gathering in the first couple um, months of the year. And uh, we're going to, this, this series on kingdom hospitality is going to get at that as well, this idea of gathering. And when I was first starting in ministry, when I wasn't even in ministry yet, one of the things that I sensed that, that we needed, those of us who went to church a lot and were in church a lot needed, was just a, a good kind of kick in the pants to like get out there, to go, to bring Jesus with us, to actually reach out to people and that kind of thing. I think we still need that. But I think just as much there's a way in which we need to be encouraged to gather. Something that is so woven through the New Testament as what followers of Jesus do. They are committed to gather. And we just aren't as much. And it's, you know, that's not something to make us feel guilty. That's just something that uh, is an opportunity. That this is what is good for us according to the Lord, according to the Bible, and we can figure out how to make it happen. In the world, the more digital we are, the more the world longs for real interaction to really be received. Um, in Romans chapter 12, there is, it starts, so Romans has, goes 11 chapters and just 
uh, really gets a description of just how helpless we are without God. Just how much we need his forgiveness, his saving power, the life of his spirit, and how abundantly he offers it to us. The extents he went to give that to us. It just, it just really stretches this out to paint the picture, to explain this is what's happening in Jesus dying on the cross, rising from the dead. This is what happens when we come in relationship. All of that for 11 chapters. And then it says, in view of this, that we should offer ourselves as living sacrifices. That's our spiritual act of worship. Don't be conformed to the patterns of the world, but be transformed in the renewing of our minds. And then we'll know what God's will is, what his good, pleasing, perfect will is. And it launches into, so based on, in view of God's mercy, everything that God's done for us, now how should we respond? And it goes on to say, don't think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but as members of the body. If we're believing in Jesus, then we're members of his body and we're connected together and it shows, says we need to each play our part, each contribute what we can contribute. That's all part of saying yes to Jesus. And I'm going to start with verse 10, Adam. In verse 10, it says, be devoted to one another in love. Now, I want to pause because in that series in January and February, we talked about being devoted. That was the word. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They were devoted to community with one another. Devoted. They met together every day in some form. They met together in public spaces like this. They met together in their homes. They were devoted to one another. That wasn't just some aspect of Acts at one time. This is still being woven through the Bible in a spot like right here. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Share, koinonian. For those of you that were there for this series, with the series, devoted to the fellowship is koinonia. It's a noun, a group of people Devote yourself to them, and it's a verb, to fellowship, to share. This is that word, koinonia, with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. And that's what we want to encourage everyone who says they're part of Celebrate to do in these next six to eight weeks. Practice. Like, practice hospitality. We're going to talk about practice kingdom hospitality because there's an idea of hospitality and what it, what it looks like, what we think that it, it comes off of, and then there's the hospitality that Jesus teaches us. What does giving and receiving hospitality in Jesus' name look like? Well, we can learn from the Lord of hosts. We can learn from Jesus about what kingdom hospitality is, and so we're going to start that today by looking at two stories of Jesus' interactions and his comments in the midst of hospitality? What are his observations about hosts? People who are hosting, who are practicing hospitality, what insights do we get from that? So the first story we'll look at is from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. 
She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, this story is often used uh, to focus on devotion to Jesus, it's, and that makes total sense. That's a, that's a great, maybe central application of this. I'd like us to think through this, though, thinking about hospitality. What can we learn about hospitality? The Bible tells us to practice hospitality. I'm telling you there is a kingdom or a God's way of hospitality that Jesus teaches about, models, encourages. What can we learn from this story about that? And the first thing I would say is that Jesus receives hospitality. Someone opens their home to him, and he goes in and receives it. And he does this kind of again and again and again in the stories of the Gospels. He doesn't say, well, I'm the son of God. I should really be hosting you. I'm the, you know, I, I'm the one who's, I should be in charge. He just, when he is offered hospitality, he says, thank you. And he goes and he accepts the invitation. And he, it's not just that he does that. He tells his followers earlier in this chapter, earlier in the chapter before, if, if you, when you go out in my name, if someone invites you to their home and welcomes you in, go stay there. And, and stay there. Don't go look around, well, is there a better place? Just stay If you're welcomed in, receive the hospitality. So Jesus receives it, and he encourages us as his followers to receive hospitality when it's offered to us. Now, in verse 39, Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. In this story, the focus is often that, that Mary is listening to Jesus in contrast to Martha being busy about a lot of things. That's a fair contrast, and important points can be drawn from it. But something that is less obvious to us in our society is that what she's doing by sitting at his feet while he's talking, the picture is she is becoming one of his disciples, one of his students. She's acting like she's one of his disciples and his students, and she's doing that, and in the Jewish culture, women weren't allowed to do that. Men would be sitting at the feet of the rabbi, not women. And so there's not only this, like, she should be helping me out, but there could be this, like, you're embarrassing me. We know women aren't supposed to do that. But Jesus shuts down the attempt to get back to the social norms. And he says, no, I'm receiving her as one of my disciples. It could get confusing because sometimes we think of the 12 disciples but they're, they're also called the 12 apostles. He appointed them to be apostles. Sometimes it refers to them as 12 disciples. But he had more than 12 disciples. I mean, in the very chapter we're in, Luke, we're at the end of it in Luke chapter 10. At the beginning of it, Jesus sends out 72 of his disciples. He sends them all out. He had, you know, in the upper room there was 120. And we know that there are men and women. He had these 12 leaders. They were all men. But he had... Many disciples and women and disciples too. And that was something that would be, 
you know, again, to us, it's very normal. The reason it's very normal is because Christianity, following Jesus' example, has elevated the status of women over the centuries to the point where it's normal. But that's not the case in the Jewish world a little bit, better than the Roman world or the Greek world, which was the prevalent cultures at the time, where women's status was very, very low. And Jesus elevates it. So the, the second thing is that Jesus receives outsiders. He receives people that are often overlooked or excluded. And again, he does this again and again and again. He receives people that others are, are, wouldn't notice, wouldn't think are worth the time, or don't think belong. And kingdom hospitality says to the marginalized, to the minimalized, minimized you're welcome. Come. That's kingdom hospitality. Now, one more thing about this story. Often it's sort of like easy to be like, Martha and Mary. No, other way around. But this story starts right from the beginning by honoring Martha. Martha opened her home to Jesus. In the Gospels, there's multiple stories of Jesus not being welcomed, not being accepted, not being received. And Martha opens her home and welcomes him. And when you welcome Jesus, you're probably welcoming a whole entourage with him. So you can understand why she would have stress. But Martha is, it's not Martha was Mary's sister. It's Mary was Martha's sister. And in John, if we look at the interaction with Martha, it's a very good interaction. Jesus loves Martha. Jesus respects Martha. It's, it's good. But there's something that happens in this situation that affects Martha's intent of having very good hospitality. Verse 41, or no, verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. She is overloaded, overwhelmed by all that's got to happen. She's stressed out. Jesus points it out. You're worried. You're anxious. You're upset. You're, you're troubled about a lot of things here. She's that. And the focus all becomes her. And so in her intent, which is to welcome Jesus, to receive Jesus, to show hospitality to Jesus. That's her intent. But all the stuff gets so stressed out that it becomes more about the stuff and getting it all right than it does about Jesus or welcoming him. And I think that having the stuff, having good food, creating a good space, an environment that's pretty or, or welcoming or attractive, I mean, all those things are great. It makes a difference. The intentionality makes a difference, and they're good. But if the focus becomes about that stuff so much, and we start to notice, like, we resent other people not helping us. We're frustrated that this has to happen. We're, when those things start, we're anxious, and, and so we can't even be with people. We've sort of lost the point of the hospitality. Sometimes some of us need to be in more of a Martha role. We're facilitating other people being able. And that's okay. That's loving. That's kingdom-like. But when we're, our hospitality gets driven over like, 
okay, all this stuff, and we start thinking, <clears throat> feeling sorry for ourselves and thinking about ourselves. Me, don't you see there's not me, and I'm doing it all by myself, and won't you tell her to help me, and it's all because of me, then we lose hospitality. Contrast to Mary, who is listening to Jesus. Now, obviously, there's something unique about listening to Jesus, and that's devotional and that's worshipful, but just at a human level, if we think about hospitality, how important is listening to really welcoming people? I think in kingdom hospitality, really listening to people helps them to feel like, yes, I belong here. So, the next slide. So, in kingdom hospitality, the focus should be on listening. Not on anxiety, the things that create anxiety for us. It might be stressful to get ready for people, to host people well. There might be, there's some of that. But we don't want to lose sight of its people. We're trying to interact with people. And we want to be able to listen to people. Jesus clearly was a listener. He loved by listening. We welcome by listening. And people are paying a lot of money to counselors so that someone will listen to them. Because we don't listen to each other very well. That's story number one. Story number two, also from Luke, chapter seven. It's a little bit longer. Verse 36, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, he be she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay, pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who has the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wet, wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, with this story, the first observation I want to make is that, once again, Jesus receives hospitality. He receives hospitality, and it goes to the variety of people he's willing to receive hospitality from. We know he received hospitality from tax collectors like Matthew and Zacchaeus. Those are people that are like way on the opposite spectrum of a really religious Pharisee like this Simon is. 
They're on opposite ends of spectrums, and yet Jesus was willing to receive hospitality from both of them. If someone invites him in, he's willing to receive hospitality. And again, as his followers, it's not just when we practice hospitality, it's not just that we always have to be the hosts, but we will receive hospitality and we'll receive it from those who invite us in, which may be surprising people sometimes. One of the ways um, that we, how should I say this? I wasn't in planning on saying this, but since it's popping into my head, I'll give a really short version that could explain from the, how this is in the Bible as well. But when someone who doesn't believe in Jesus starts serving you, a lot of times that's a sign that God's in work in their life and, and wanting to bring him into the kingdom, and there's an openness to it, even if you're not talking about spiritual things at the time. Will we receive hospitality from other people regardless of who they are? So that's the first point. The second point is, once again, Jesus receives an outsider. He receives someone who in the circle he's in is not really welcome. Now, in that day and age, houses were a little more porous. People could come and go. They kind of came in and out. It was, it was a little different. You have to ring the doorbell. You just kind of show up at the edges. And so that's what happened with her, but that's not because she was invited. And yet Jesus never gives any indication of like, I don't want you here. He receives. He receives people that are often overlooked or often excluded. He receives people. He did not, he did not say uh, to her like, that he accepts everything. She had, she had many sins. He says, your many sins are forgiven. He doesn't say, well, this isn't sin. or that. But he also doesn't say, well, until you're cleaned up, don't come near me. No, because it's her faith that saves her. It's her faith that cleans her up. It's her desire to get close to Jesus that does, not her, not her like trying to get herself all clean and good and good enough, and now she can be with Jesus. No, it's like, get me to Jesus because he can make me clean. And so our attitude towards people, we can receive them, we don't need them to toe every line or be perfect before we just receive them as a matter of trying to help get them close to Jesus. That's kingdom hospitality. So he receives outsiders. But here's something else that's true. We know that this Pharisee's name is Simon. And yet in the first couple of lines... It doesn't talk about Simon four times. It's like this Pharisee's house, then the Pharisee thought, then the Pharisee this, then the Pharisee that. Like there's an emphasis on that he's a Pharisee. That is an important. And so as a Pharisee, the Pharisees, by and large, were mostly against Jesus. And here's a person who's with that group, identified with that group, clearly identified with that group. Let me say it again to make sure that you know he's identifying with the Pharisees. But he wonders about Jesus enough to invite him in his house. He's like sticking his neck out for him to try. Now, he's obviously, he didn't like welcome him as an honored guest. He's kind of holding his distance from him at the same time, but at least he's trying. And Jesus is willing to do that, and he receives, he receives a Pharisee. He, he receives an insider, too. He receives someone who's judgmental. He receives... He's 
there. And here's what I want to emphasize. Verse 40. Adam, can you pull up verse 40? Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. So we've been doing Pharisee, 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 Pharisee. That's how he's been described. And Jesus says, Simon. He describes him as a person. So Simon couldn't see the woman, and he says, do you see the woman? But sometimes we don't see Pharisees. We take our pride in that. We're not a Pharisee. We're not like a Pharisee. We're not going to be a hypocrite like those people. We're not going to be so good. Like, we're not going to be self-righteous like those people that we become self-righteous, talking about the self-righteous people. But Jesus doesn't see a Pharisee. He sees Simon. And he doesn't say, Simon, you know what's wrong with you? Simon, you know why you're stupid? Simon, you know why you're wrong? Simon, you know the things you didn't, you didn't start there. He just says, Simon, I have something to tell you. And he waits for Simon to say, tell me. He doesn't shove all his good ideas into Simon's chest because it's good for Simon. Simon needs to know better. He says, Simon, I have to tell you. You know, this is a good strategy, by the way, when we're talking with people who have a different perspective than us. That before we give them our perspective, we ask them if they want it. Can, can I share something with you? Would that be all right? And then if they say yes, it helps. So, so we don't even know. Sometimes we are locking down. We don't know that our arms are crossed. We don't know that we're not, we are not at all open to hearing, that we're just waiting to fire back. We don't even know it. And then if someone to say to us, like, well, I mean, you probably wouldn't see it this way, but I wonder, I wonder if you'd want to know what I think. It gets a person like, oh, maybe I do. Or at least they have to choose. In there is something that happens when we get permission from the person before we share our perspective. There's usually, if they say yes, there's a little more openness. If they're like, but I suppose... Well, we kind of know. We don't need to keep shoving. We could still share it, but we can. But, so, but a lot of times, just by saying, like, can I, can I tell you what I'm thinking? It shifts something. Tell me, teacher. So Jesus isn't just trying to beat this judgmental guy down. He's trying to help Simon see. And so he says, can I tell you? And then he starts with, Here's a story. Let's talk about this here. Let's not talk about you yet and what's wrong with you and what you've done wrong. Let's just talk about this situation that we both probably can agree on. Oh, yeah, we both can agree on it. Now, let's apply that to this, what we're talking about here. I just love that Jesus, he likes the outsiders. He likes the insiders. He receives people. But he sees them as people. Simon has been analyzing. Like, he's got Jesus there kind of to be like, I don't know, there's some things about him that he seems like God, there's good things, I can't explain it, it seems good, but there's all these other things being said about him, and so the whole thing is like, well, what do I think of him? So I'm inviting him over into my house, like an act of hospitality, but the whole time it's just to be like, I'm not sure what I think about you. Well, I know what I think about her. That ain't good. But that's not kingdom hospitality. The analyzing, categorizing, that gets in the way of just loving. 
And it's not just when we analyze other people, although that could be too. Like, when they said that, I wonder what they meant. When they said that, that was really, I don't know if, well, but it also can be about analyzing ourselves. Oh, man, when I said that, they must have thought that. And oh, I didn't like the way I looked tonight. Oh, I really, I, this wasn't, this. And we analyze, and it, again, just like Martha, it comes about me, 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 me. The anxiety goes up, but we're analyzing how it went. And the more we overanalyze, the less we're able just to love the person. I mean, here's what's probably true. Someone's going to say something wrong, myself or the other person, in an interaction. Whether we intended to or not, whether we're, I mean, we're just kind of broken people, we're different, and things are, that's just going to be part of it. So let's just get over that and just love. Not analyze that everything has to line up, or I have to be perfect, or I have to make sure that they're good enough, or fit me enough, or we resonate enough to be the perfect person to have in my life. Right now. It's just love. So that would be the kingdom hospitality point from this story I would want to make, is to focus on loving rather than analyzing. Not analyzing. Because when we analyze so much, if that's our interactions, we're all going to analyze what they say, what they do, or am I good enough? It, it, just, it just puts a buffer towards love. And Jesus didn't do that. So now, if we can bring the practice hospitality uh, slide up, this initiative, I'd really like us to try to show up for one of these. It's one time. What we're trying to do is get people together to practice hospitality, not, and so we're taking away sort of the Martha aspects. You know, we'll do it here. We'll provide food. It's just, can we listen? Can we love? Can we share? Not like we're going to go to the deepest levels of our heart kind of thing. Not that we're going to disclose, you know, oh, you need to feel like you have to disclose a ton, but just that we would talk about life, about God a little bit. We practice because <clears throat> if we're a follower of Jesus, then what we should be doing is talking about him all the time wherever we go, with family and strangers. I mean, not like in an obnoxious way, but seizing the opportunities. But if we're full of anxiety, I don't know that I want to talk to anybody. I, don't, I especially don't talk to people I don't know very well. I have. Or I've got too much to do. I can't. So we don't see people. We don't, we don't have time to listen. It doesn't work very well. So what we're trying to do is create a space where we can practice. We won't do it perfect, but practice getting to know. And there's a way in which people who are here want to be connected with one another. This is, we hear this a lot, but aren't sure how to connect. Well, here's a way to connect. I mean, we could have someone come for the very first time in two or three weeks, and they could say to us, you know, how do I get to know people here? Well, why don't you come? Here's two more dates. You can come get to know somebody. And you could be the person that welcomes them in to get to know somebody just by willing to have a conversation. I don't, we're going to have two or three or four questions that, that kind of help, that are probably pretty easy to have a conversation. And that will help us grow in this. This is like, for my mind, I'm hoping 100 people, at least 100 people will do this. 
Just like in the fall, when we did prayer builders, I was like going, really hoping, and we did have over 100 people sign up to do prayer builders time. And some of them went like, this is what it meant to be a prayer builder. You're going to pray, you know, at least this much over the course of 10 weeks. And they got that line, and they checked, and they got there. Other people say they're going to really pray. Same thing here. You can come to all four. You can come be a Martha at one of them. If you want to come, I'll be at one of them. But if you need help in the kitchen or you need help, I'd like to help serve at one of them. You can do that. You can do more than one. But at least one where you're interacting with someone. And some of you might be like, yeah, I mean, but this is a pretty busy time. I mean, I, it's, if I like that idea, I do want to get to know people. I'm willing to get to know people, but it's a busy time. It's a busy time. Okay. I'm coaching soccer. I got a kid in high school soccer. I got another kid playing soccer. I got band concerts. I got dance recitals to go to. I'm going to be here multiple times a week besides this stuff. We got people coming from out of state. We are going to have 30 kids over for a pregame meal. We are, I'm going to keep going. I'm not busier than everybody here. But we could prioritize one time. Maybe some of you can't. Maybe some of you have a life situation. But a lot of us could. Especially now, if we look ahead, just say, like, no, I'm going to make sure I do one of these. And I just, again, I'm not going for guilt. I'm just going for, like, we, we aren't very good at this. Some of you are. Some of you are fabulous at it. But we are, we are less good as a society about just interacting with people we don't know very well. And I think we can get better. And the thing is, there's something in our hearts that is longing for it, that is longing for something with a little more depth, that is longing for someone to listen to us, that is longing for a little bit of connection. It gives life. If you're like me, half the time in the stuff we do here, it's like, all right, got to go back tonight. I mean... The TV would be a lot more natural to me tonight. But instead, I'm going to go to this thing with people. <laughs> and then I, I mean, 80, 90% of the time, I leave and I am glad I was there. 80, 90% of the time. And I know people report the same thing to me when we have groups or things like that here. Like, let's give it a try. Let's give it a try. So next week you could sign up. I know Allie gave like an escape hatch. Like, oh, don't, you don't have to sign up. You could sign up. Where I know. Sign up. <laughs> sign up. You are way more likely to come if you sign up than if you don't. We'll allow people that find out about this at the last minute an escape hatch. But you, you made the mistake of coming on a snowy day. Like, you're the... You're the ones who can do this. I'll invite the worship team to come back up. So the last thing about kingdom hospitality I want to touch on today as, we're, as we move into our, our response song at the end is that kingdom hospitality, we need to focus on Jesus. So there are things that Jesus teaches us or we learn from these stories about Jesus, but where kingdom hospitality flows from is from his presence. And we love because he first loved us. And last week, if you were here for the Easter message, Jesus says, do you love me? 
He is the one who loves you, who gave himself for you, who wants to be with you, who has got uh, uh, all kinds of plans and purposes for you, not just in this life, but in the life to come. He comes to you and he says, I love you, I love you, I love you. Do you love me? And the person that says yes, he says, then feed my, feed my lambs. He says, do you love me? Yeah, then tend to my sheep. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Then invest with my people who I love. Invest in my people who I love. Do you love me? I love you, and I want the love to like multiply among you. So if you love me, then go love one another, and I will love through you. You invite me in, and I will love through you. So let's pray that that's so. Let's pray. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you love us. And so many times, you show us the love in a way that's most impactful through other people. Broken as we are, we can experience love deeply when your love comes flowing through other people. And so we want to receive your love through other people. And we want other people to receive your love through us. So, God, would you teach us as we try to practice hospitality in this initiative, but in other ways as well, that we would be like you, receiving the invitations people give to us, receiving people, even those who are different than us, listening and loving. Help us, Lord. Help us to do that. Again, thank you for what you've done for us and that you're willing to be with us as we try to love you back. It's in your name we pray. Amen.